Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Legacy Hardware. This is episode number three, so we're getting there. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, I am Jason, also joined by the co-host. We have James and Lance. You guys want to say hi? Hi. Again, I say hi. There we go. All right. How are you guys doing this week? I'm fine. I'm busy. Okay. (laughs) Busy making babies. Yeah, that's kind of awkward. But anyhow, we actually are going to go over feedback this week. Uh, we have a lot of information to go over with the Grand Prix Madrid and Star City Games 5K in Richmond with the Legacy Tournament there. Uh, and we'll go over a bunch of stuff this afternoon, but we'll start off with listener feedback. Anything to point out to you guys? Uh, well, you have the list there. Yeah, I do have um, the list. I better go to that. We actually got a pretty interesting question uh, via Twitter we have from Noob123. What is one single card, in your opinion, that defines a legacy? Explain. Uh, are we going to talk about that right now? Yeah, we could. Okay. I'd like to go over that. Well, uh, do you want to take the obvious one, or should I? Uh, I, I think we're all going to take the obvious one, so I don't even think that really counts. Okay. Can we just say it all at once? Yeah, sure. Force of will. Yeah, it definitely has to be force <laughs> of will. Um, that was my first memory of playing Legacy was, okay, you're tapped out. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna beat face now, and then it's like force of will. It's like, What? <laughs> What? What? It's like, oh yeah, all I have to do is remove a blue card from my hand, lose a life, and I can counter any spell. It's like, oh, that's that seems really fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, when I started playing with Force of Will, it's such a such an empowering feeling being being able to go. Well, I, I can at least tap out for my uh, for my bulk and then uh, stop stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, Force of Will, um, noob. One, two, three, the guy who sent us this on the Twitter thing, he actually sent it out to another podcast, a podcast based out of the UK, and the guy said, uh, Force of Will keeps Legacy fair. Yeah. So that's, um, and Lance, are you going through a database? Uh, oh, I was for- looking on Deck Check, uh, and I I did the topmost uh, cards that are in their Legacy. If you go to the Legacy page and you hit on the side there, it says the 50 most used cards in this format. Uh, the first one is Force of Will at like 130,000 copies. Wow. <laughs> and then the second second is, is so close, it's like Island oh, at, no. right after it. Actually, it's Brainstorm. Brainstorm? Well, that then, makes sense. That then makes it's sense Island, isn't it? Yeah, it's Island. And then Wasteland, Tarmogoyf, and surprisingly enough, Mountain. mountain? That, well, that's, a, that's an interesting... Burn. Burn just plays all basic mountains. Yeah, but I mean fetches over th- over that. I mean, if Force of Will is played in that de- in a deck, it's most likely going to be in like like in something like a multicolor deck, Canadian Thresh top decks, and they all play heavy fetches. I mean, fetches are right behind mountains, but still. Yeah. Uh, but just using that information, you can tell that the the glue that's pretty much holding the format together is Force, Force of Will. If it wasn't for that, it'd be all combo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff. I mean, with turn one Belchers, you know. Like yeah, I like mean, that. if Force of Will was never printed, I, I'd be playing Belcher every day of my life. Same here. And uh, on MTG Cash, we actually got a correction comment that we had from last week's episode. Chris Otwell, a lot of you familiar with him with Road Warrior Otwell. Sorry, Chris. Road Warrior Otwell, he's actually the uh, CEO, I believe, I guess, of MTG Cash. I think that's Chief his, Operating a, Officer? Chief Executive Officer. Officer, thank you. But uh, he stated... He actually gave us the link to the Watsi reprint policy, which I think we should put in the show notes for this week so everybody knows what's going on. Yes. Uh, fill you all in. We had a discussion last week on the reserve list. We had a debate on which methods would be best used to solve the problem. And he said what Watsi could do is announce that as if of some date in three or four years from now would be the end of the no reprint policy, i.e. the no reprint policy would be eliminated on some date in the future. Even then, they could just choose to not reprint anything from that list for another year or two longer, making us all wonder if they ever will. And the correction was, he said, the Elder Dragon Legends, they were worth over 40 to $50 each prior to Chronicles, and then dropped to $10 each afterwards. I'm sorry, Chris. I was just going on what I'd heard. I think it was my <laughs> fault. I was just misinformed, but that's besides the point. And another comment we got on MTG Cast Worm. Enjoyed this one a lot, guys. You obviously put some time into the preparation of the show. Kudos on a nice cast. You've won me over. And Worm, you were our biggest um, opponent. Opponent, and now you're a proponent. So thank you, Worm. We have a 100% critic turnover rate, as one of our friends put if, it this uh, week. If um, 
if I had if we had some like special gift to send you, we'd send it to you, but we don't. Sorry. We're po. <laughs> we're, we're poor. <laughs> uh is is proponent even a word? Proponent is like somebody who uh is um uh, in favor of. Opponent is somebody who is against. It just seems like there could have probably been a better word there. What? No offense. It probably is, but back on subject. Yes. That would be the subject guy. All right. Now we also got some great feedback on the source. That's actually been our largest source of feedback, so far. Yes. Uh, we you know thanks to the guys over there between your own and Mog Forbidian and Get Sick and Die. They've been giving us a bunch of feedback, and we really thank you guys for that. It's been uh, some of the best critical humor or critical <laughs> constructive criticism. Thank you. <laughs> critical humor. Phil. Ah, Anyhow, um, Forbidian said that. Uh, have a guest speaker on sometime and I think we will try to do that in the future try to get hooked up with a popular name and legacy over Skype but give it a few weeks here so you guys get to know who we are and get a feel for who we are as individuals maybe we should just like call out right now and see if anybody wants to yeah uh, if anybody big legacy players in the community if you're interested in enlightening us enlightening the listeners that's what it's all about here making people better legacy players we really would enjoy that hopefully um uh, and that that might even be more feasible coming up um with the uh, star cities in columbus you know hopefully we can get something set up in columbus yeah i uh, mean or even in the I mean, 5k i mean we're all going to be playing at columbus but uh, I'm pretty sure some of us are going to scrub so we can talk to people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's physically impossible for all. Well, it's not physically impossible. But it's it's highly unlikely that everybody's going to do really well. Yeah, somebody's going to get dicked over in the matchups. It's <laughs> just the way it's going to happen. And uh, Forbidian also sent us a message saying, "By the way, some guy yelled at me. It's pronounced GTA, and Lance knows this, but he cannot just bring himself to pronounce Murpho correctly." For the rest of his life, he'll probably be saying Mirfolk, and that's just the way it's going to be. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm used to saying Mirfolk, so I'm going to say Mirfolk for must, the rest of my life. Must be that Appalachian... Uh, what, what Appalachian called? American. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, and speaking of Jite. Jite. Yeah. We uh-huh. did get an email. Uh, somebody who speaks Japanese fluently, apparently. His name's Jeremy. It sent it, he sent it to our Legacy Hardware Gmail account. You said, hey guys, in your first show you were asking about how to pronunciate jite. Jite, literally, ten hand, is a Japanese word meaning short sword. It is a three-syllable word broken down into characters. It is ji, as in genes, a breaking particle, in this instant a short T sound, as in light, and te, as in tail. Conclude Japanese 101. So I sent Jeremy a thank you message letting him know how much we appreciate it and so that would break down in jete, 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 something like, like that. An emphasis on the e. Yeah, yes. We're probably still going to end up mispronouncing it. And Jeremy, your work would be in vain, but we still love you for sending us in a message. So thank you. Yep. And another comment I like to call out: Earth Day, the White. We know who you are. If you have a question for us, <laughs> ask us in person. <laughs> yeah, call me. Yeah, Seriously. you have our number. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to be sneaky about it. We know who you are. You're one of our probably our best friends. So you don't even have to. Uh, you don't even have to leave the comment. Just mm-hmm. just call us and let us know how. What do you think? Uh, we, <laughs> if you guys are wondering what the heck we're talking about, Urte is. If you listened to our first episode, which was sketchy, but we talked about a guy who reanimated demigod with four. Swung in with four demigods in one turn and won the game. That's Urte, the White yeah. Knight. That's him. Yeah. So he is of local fame in the area, and he is one of our better friends. And he's, <laughs> he did send that out to us. Local fame. So he's going to be so happy we're talking about him again. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Mmog, um, he really. We got some mixed reviews on the random segment that we did last week. That's something we are still going to continue to do. Some people loved it. Some people really thought it was counterproductive to the show. But we're going to keep doing it unless we do get our overwhelming feedback because some people really did enjoy it. And I think we'll keep going in that direction. We'll throw out our contact information before that segment. We'll go into it. If you don't want to listen to it anymore, you are free to you are free to stop. And you can just get the legacy portions. And we will apply legacy to that end segment very often, so it's not like it's going to be 
anything that's not legacy. Right. Legacy will be. We're involved. not just going to talk about standard for the whole time or you know extended. Uh, we did talk about legacy there in the last one a little bit, but uh, the the main basis of the podcast is legacy. We stay. We're going to try and stay on topic as much as we can during the uh, main part of the uh, podcast. And we're sorry when we do get off topic, but that's just the way we are. And our friend. Mari, I think that's how it's pronounced, from the Facebook fan page, did give us some suggestions on how to fill in that space. You can dedicate that part to answer less listener questions or do a deck tech like they do in Deck Builders Radio. Yeah, if you're familiar with what Brian Greer does on mpgcast.com, that's a direction we might do every once in a while, do a primer. But these primers, a lot of the time, can be found on MTG The Source. They have a great primer page, which you can reference. So I don't know if it's really up to us to do something that's already been done before. It seems kind of... However, we can we can do it uh, par request and give our own thoughts on the uh, the archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we even got our feedback on that because on, in our first episode we did, we did uh, I guess maybe dumb it down a little bit. I mean, we're, we're talking about it. I mean, if you're on listening to this, you, ability, you have the ability to... Uh, like you know, get to places so you can get to the source and look at this stuff. Yes, uh, and that's mtgthesource.com. It's pretty easy to find. Yep, and that's pretty much it as far as listener feedback. Did you guys see anything else? No, I no, think I th- that was about it. I think we, uh, I think we covered everything. We hit up, we hit up everything. So moving uh, now, we get to do this week in legacy. This which week is, in legacy, yeah, which is. Uh, Information about uh, the uh, GP and the 5K. I was uh, something actually happened in Legacy this past week. Yeah, yeah, a GP and a 5K. <laughs> yeah, Grand Prix Madrid was the largest Magic tournament in history. I guess Two, it is kind of forgettable, isn't it? Two thousand two hundred twenty-six <laughs> people. This is a great outcry from the Magic or from the Legacy community that it needs to be supported and. It's about dang time that it is. Yes. So it's really neat that we saw this happen. 2,226 people showed up. For our segment later in the show, we'll do a metagame breakdown between the Star City Games 5K in Richmond and the Grand Prix Madrid. We'll do um, compare and contrast between the two. Did you want to say something? Oh, no? No. I'm I thought good. you were getting ready to say something, James. I probably was. I, I've had, like, I had brain farts a lot, so <laughs> you're going to you're gonna have to deal with me on that one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll uh, go over those in a few minutes um, after our break. But another thing I want to talk about, we did the reserve blitz discussion last week that a lot of you may have paid attention to. If you didn't hear it, you want to, you might want to go back and listen to it. But we did propose a lot of things that were going on. Now, Stephen Menendian, Menendian. 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 There you go. We have trouble with pronunciations. But he's from the Ohio play group. Or I think he's from Ohio. He's from the... He's from somewhere. He's from. I think he's from Ohio. But we talked about him last week. He actually just had an article this week in which he basically supported what we were saying, and he did want to get rid of the reserve list. It was something that he thought was counterproductive, and he gave reasonings across the board about why he thought it should go. And right. That's something that uh, Bill Stark actually had an article about it on the Starkington Post where he talked about it. And uh, Stephen Menendian... Uh, even though it's a, a premier article, I don't want to go into it too much to uh, uh, not discourage anybody from getting a premier article membership. Um, but he basically compared cards that have been reprinted several times, like Birds of Paradise. Uh, what what other ones did he use? Uh, Wrath of God. He compared them to a lot of the beta and prices and showing how they kept value over time or even going up in price. He, yeah, James. Yeah, I mean, we. I think I mentioned it last week. Berserk. Saw a temporary dip when uh, From the Vault Exile came out, but I mean, Berserk is still going for that. And you know, I, and uh, we, uh, I was talking to somebody, uh, one of our local legacy players, and he said that probably wasn't a fair enough comparison, though, because it was a foil. Right. It was a foil. And it's I, I'm, totally different. It, had, it was foil, it was a different art, it was a different border. Right. You can't really compare them too much that way. Right. And Stephen. Starking then post Bill Stark. He does a great job of just breaking down the three main points of Stephen's Stephen's article. It doesn't protect the value of old cards single prices. He even presents data to demonstrate this. Card prices are rising far faster in comparison to rises in price for cards like the Power 9. The price on some cards 
on just some 4% of the reserved list is making formats prohibitively expensive to enter. Right. So that's some good research shown there on the side of Stephen. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I mean, we, we just said it not so long ago. Force Will is a format-defining card for Legacy. It's doubled since I got my set earlier on last year. And it's uh, very intimidating for somebody to have to spend $200 to get the staple card to play the format. And I, I know that uh, because uh, I, I actually just bought my Force of Wills about three or four months ago, right before the price hike. I got very lucky on uh, finding them right before the price hike and getting my set ordered. Yeah. So. And Steve, uh, if you remember us talking about Ben Blightweiss, he took the trip to Seattle, or to C- Seattle, Seattle, Washington, where the Watsi headquarters is. Stephen actually went along with Ben. He was one of the three people asked. And these... Who was the third? Oh, let me look for his name. I forget the guy's name. Does he have any importance? Uh, It was a name I recognized, however... Cannot remember. Yeah, (laughs) If you guys want to keep on talking about something, I'll find it here. This is the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just that, you know... This this meeting probably hammered out a lot of the stuff that that uh, was needed hammered out with the community. Uh, I don't know if me personally would have chosen these people as our delegates, but I guess they have a better hold on what's going on around here than I do. Right. So uh, they probably they probably knew what they were talking about. But the third person, or the three people who were asked to visit Watsi on a side note, Where's it was Ben Blightweiss, Stephen Menendian. And Eric Reasoner. Okay, so do we know who Eric Reasoner is? I don't is? know who he is. I, I can't say I do either. No. So, if you guys have any idea who it is, send us some feedback. Let us know. Enlighten your poor podcast hosts who don't know as much as they wish they Boy, did. we really need to start, like, researching this kind of stuff. Well, no, it was just one of those things that popped up into my head while we were going through the yeah. list, though. Because yeah. that was one of the things that I, I did want to talk about. And we got that taken care of. But otherwise, the feedback was pretty positive. Uh, a lot of you seem to think that the show improved since last week, which is what we like to hear. So, big thing right there. And you also had more constructive criticism, which is something we always like. And we ask you to keep doing so. So, we're going to take a few minutes break here. We'll be back with the Grand Prix Madrid and Star City Games 5K Meta Breakdown. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Legacy Hardware. We just came back from our longer than anticipated break, but we're ready to break down the two meta games between the two tournaments. Yeah, James. On a more side note, I don't think you guys would notice the break, but we did. Yes. <laughs> no. No, sorry. not really. No, no sorry. Come on. Uh, I'll take. Well, whatever. We'll do it. Uh, we'll work. But <clears throat> our big prediction from last week, I think, was for Dream Halls combo. Yeah. The breakout and your host. Swung and miss on that one, guys. Well, so. I think it was me too talking about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else did we really anticipate from last? Oh, week? lands. Where was lands? Yeah, thirty-eight lands. Land. Sam Black ran it. Um, yeah, but how well did he do? Did he make day he two? Made, he made day two. Okay. Yeah, he made well, day then, two. then at least at least there was a uh, lands in day two. To be fair, though, he did get three buys. Oh, it's pretty easy to. Do well if you have the first three rounds as free wins, right? Because then what you have to go like you have to just go X and two for that would yeah, be yeah. like five and two. <laughs> no, uh, four and two. Four and two. It yeah. was a nine round. There was nine rounds the first day. The second day there was eight rounds plus cut the top eight. So it was a long. It was a tournament. Yeah. But yeah. um, yeah. No, I bet those three buys were nice then. But there's nobody in the top eight. I don't think they even took advantage of the buys. No, really. no. These they people... F- oh, shoot. Hey. Saito. Yeah, Saito. Oh, Saito, Saito was there. Yeah, Saito was there. But that was about it. He was the only one that would have had three rounds day one, I believe. A lot of them were... Yeah. were uh, Everybody else we battled it out. We haven't heard of. So, the guy who won then played 20 rounds of Magic in two days, and I think. Iron Man right there. That's <laughs> impressive. And his name was... Oh, somebody had it. Yeah, I have uh, it. Andre Muller. Yeah, Muller. Muller. He was a German guy. Represent yes. Germany. 
Yes. I uh, hope you're proud of your own. And this happened to be the breakout deck of the uh, the tournament was Reanimator, and everybody knew it was yeah at both tournaments, and everybody knew it was around. They just didn't really know too much about it. It needed to because ever since they on banned in tomb, tomb, people were expecting it to make a big appearance, yeah. and ladies and gentlemen, it finally did. Well, the the, the thing that the um everybody was looking for was um a uh, Hulk combo with it. And they weren't just looking to straight reanimator with like Iona and stuff like that. It worked, and it obviously works a lot. It, it's a very consistent, consistent deck. If anybody watched the 5K uh, coverage done by GGS Live, uh, they uh, there was a round where they played the the matchup between the two. He was pretty much in control of the game by turn two each time. He had two owed that match. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he was playing. I think it was Zoo, but that's like an auto win for them. Yeah, they need to they need to be able to double path your uh, Sphinxes Steel win because as soon as you get Sphinxes Steel win online, he's got pro red, uh, pro green. Are you kidding me? I that's like have to exile. Think it'd be swords to punch. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no, no it's Zoo. It's Zoo, right, it's never zoo mind. because Zoo needs to focus on doing as much. It's like it's got that burn mentality. It right. doesn't want to give you that life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the decks are quite are quite different. The ones uh, uh, Andres Moller and uh, Daniel S- Sigourney, I believe Sigourney Sigourney, I think is his name. Yeah. But Daniel and Andres uh, decks differed in two different areas. Uh, um, Daniel went more for the protecting of the of the stuff with like Russian River uh, and. Um, uh, Andres added a show and tell for a second way of cheating out something. If it was stuck in his hand, he could just show and tell on like turn two or three, throw out a sphinx and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, they're very similar. Uh, very similar builds. They both used Force of Will days for combo protection and uh, exhume entomb. Uh, and reanimate for the reanimation effects and the graveyard um, plays. Uh, they used Mystical Tutor for the tutoring for the combo pieces. Uh, however, um, Andres played a single dark ritual for the explosive first turn, whereas um, uh, Daniel played four. So he looked more for the explosiveness, whereas Andres looked more for the consistency. Uh, I don't know which one's better. It's something that you always see in combo decks. Right. You always have the one build that tries to go balls to the wall. Let's get this over with as soon as possible. Then you have the one that has a little bit more resiliency towards the hate that's out right. Better. Right. That that would be like a comparison between two combo decks like Belcher and Ant. Ant is a little bit more consistent, but Belcher can be that turn one stomp. It's over. Well, even decks within the same archetype, you have Icarid Zoo. Some Icarids run lines on Diamond for the faster win. Other ones run the Echoing Truth and the Bounce Spells that help protect everything. Yes. Am I right on that? Yes. Correct? Uh, there's yeah. there's uh, Icarids that run the LEDs and there's Icarids that don't. They they run for uh, hand disruption, uh, disruption other ways. Um, I know I know our, our player that has, that has the Dredge deck uh, doesn't prefer the LEDs because the thing with the LED is that if you go first turn dump your hand into the graveyard and they go Tormod, yeah, you're you're pretty much you're pretty much done. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Like if you think that you're gonna have to top deck an answer, and yeah. by that seven turns, somebody can already have a plan. Right, right, right. But before uh, we get too much more into the comparisons, I think we should give a count of what was in the top eight. But oh yes, that's oh yes. Fair. Uh, what do we have here for the Star City Games Richmond five K? We have three Merfolk list, two Reanimator list. Two counter-topper genitus list and one zoo list. So nothing that's really out of uh, the blue. Just there. for reference, I believe only one of those Mirfolk lists were running uh, Tarmogoyf. And that was the one that won. Yes, and that was the one that won. And then the other ones ran full straight blue. Let me double check the seventh place one here. Yeah, you're, you're correct yeah. there. Uh, yeah. I think that's a big call, though, on your part. Oh, like, yeah, it's it's a call on which way you want to go. Do you want to uh, have the more consistency with your uh, with your mana base, uh, lean less on Wastelands uh, and the Wasteland disruption from your opponent, 
or lean more on the power of Tarmogoyf. Yeah. And then the from the Grand Prix, we had two Ad Nauseum Tendrils list, two Counter Topper Gemmas list, one Reanimator, and three Zoo. So, that I, was the Grand Prix Madrid, and was it, Zoo was, was obviously the second breakout deck. Even though it's there already, it's now the probably the deck to beat. Yeah, in the breakdown for day two in Madrid, Wizards uh, posted it up. I think there was a like drastic number. I think there was like forty three decks making up like twenty percent day two. Twenty percent was zoo. zoo. That is enormous. For yeah. legacy where a format is typically wide open and you never see a deck reach the double digits as far as comprising of the field, that is a huge number. Yeah, yeah. Well, flash. Flash was bad. That was an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, and then the we thing. never speak of that Grand Prix again. <laughs> they banned it quick. Yeah, oh well, yeah. Well, Van Hammer. Sorry, Steve. Uh. <laughs> um, but like, Zoo obviously is now the the deck that everybody's just picking up. It's it is relatively cheap to build. I mean, uh, not having blue in it is a definite plus. So it's really easy for somebody to pick up the stuff. Especially if they already have their goifs from Extended and just come right over, you know? And you see that happen because it's an easy deck to pick up and run with. Not easy, but it's it's actually less skill-intensive than the Extended version of Zoo. Because right. you don't have to worry about the shock lands. Right. You, you're not putting yourself into a precarious position. And James, you actually called out Zoo, I think you said, to be one of the decks that would show up a lot in addition to Merfolk, if I remember you saying this, right? Zoo, it's... it's con- I, in my playtesting with Zoo, I've noticed that it it's one of those decks that doesn't have like it never has it never it, it never usually has bad hands. Like you could run with almost every hand and be content with it. And the thing is, is that like its creatures are good. They're just beaters. That's what their whole point is. Beaters. You make a path and you beat you beat face. That's the whole point of the deck, and it does it really well. The, the I like, and I think that Zoo's even better in Legacy because it has Sylvan Library. One thing that I've noticed from Extended, not to get off topic, is that it doesn't have, you know, its card advantage isn't the greatest, whereas, like, Sylvan Library just helps you get over that hump a little bit better. And a lot of times you're so high, you're so up on your opponent in terms of life, you can take the four life loss per card to just refill your hand. Yeah. And, James, I think you were going to compare two of the zoo lists. Did you want to tell us whose zoo lists they were? And what notable differences they were. That yeah. would be great. Um, uh, it's going to be the one deck from uh, from the uh, Star City 5K. It was uh, Alex Hatfield. He was the guy that top top eight um, top aided. He had um, Steplinks Zoo. Uh, I'm 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 a fan of it. Uh, Steplinks is really explosive. It does exactly what Zoo needs. It wants cheap, really good creatures. And Steplinks is probably like one of the best Zoo cards. To, uh, it is the Zoo card to come out of Zendikar. So, I mean. Even more, I mean, I guess Lone Lion's apparent, but still, it it beats face pretty hard. I mean, four damage is pretty hard to come by with a one one cost spell, and uh, that was like the big difference in his. He was running the Fire Blast version, which prompts me to say that the guy that placed third in Madrid, Richard Bland, was running the Gadot Teague version. Okay, and and if you think about it, like looking at what was in the top eight, we you know we announced that there was two uh, Ad Nauseam Tendrils decks. Gadoc Teague might have been that call. I mean, like maybe he was like thinking, you know what? I'm probably going to hit that combo, and here's my here's my way of beating it. I'm going to play some Gadoc Teagues. It looks like he did beat Ad Nauseum Tendrils deck at Madrid as well because he came up right behind him in fourth. Yeah, yeah. Go I mean, wasn't running Gadoc Teague. Go Gadoc. Oh yeah, he was. I'm sorry, he was two Gadoc Teagues right there, and that yeah, probably I mean, played the role in winning against that. Yeah, I, I like his sideboard too. He um he decided to go for more more hating blue hating combo type board. He played three mind breaks and two pyroblasts. That's that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, mystical tutor. You know, we were talking about a reanimator works really well in in ad nauseum tendrils. Going to get that um going get the no, uh, the ad nauseum. So pyroblast goes a long way. And the thing is that pyroblast rather than uh, red elemental blast. You don't have to have a legal target to play it. Uh, it won't... I mean, not a legal target. You can play Pyroblast 
on something that isn't a blue card to fill it up to help your Tarmogoyf out too. So it has that dual threat as well. Whereas like Red Elemental Blast, you know, you need a blue target to even just consider playing the spell. Right. It's the way that the card's worded. And um, he played Jitaze uh, in the Jitaze. Jitaze in a sideboard, which is good too because it helps with Mer- uh, uh, Merfolk, you know, that matchup, and just all sorts of good. Now, the thing that I found really hot about, I like saying that, really hot, the thing I found really hot about the, uh, the guy, uh, the uh, Alex Hatfield, though, is that he was playing Choke in a sideboard. Big, uh, big Enchantress card choke, but uh, I, you never. I, I, I don't know. It's ridiculously good. Tapping out islands is, it's good stuff. If you draw out the blues counter spells, if you draw out their forces and days where you make days irrelevant, choke can become a pretty effective weapon. It yeah. is a very good weapon. And he was playing Jotun Grunts as more aggro, and then playing extra swords in his board. But you know, I mean, he still had Crosian Grip and Tormods. So you know, like it's kind of it's kind of funny to think that Reanimator got. All the way for Muller, maybe maybe that these were the only guys that were like you know playing the uh, graveyard aid because I know Dredge has fallen out of favor. Yeah, which Dredge is, like, is there, but it's just not being played as much. People don't like it as a combo deck anymore. Uh, the hate just hurts it so much. Whereas with like uh, Reanimator, you can bounce back from the hate pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so that anything else you wanted to hit up on the zoo list? No, uh, though to be fair, uh, while I did say that 20% of the meadow is there, uh, it's like, I guess with myself and Lance, I, I haven't really talked to Jason about this much, but like, I, I have this feeling that like, while Zoo is a ridiculously consistent deck, or, you know, it's consistently good, it, you know, it's there, if you fling enough crap at the wall, it's gonna stick. Yeah. Uh, there might have just been like an overwhelming number of Zoo. Um, yeah. The, the, it was the same thing with fairies. It's the same thing with Jund uh, in, in Standard last season and this season. You, you put enough into the metagame, one's going to come out on top. And that's like Dark Depths, Thalter Foundry right yeah. now with Extended Season. Yeah. It's something you see in virtually every format and something not even great formats like Legacy is devoid of. You yeah. see it in Limited, too. I mean, everybody thinks that right now in the current Limited format, Red Black is like the nuts. The Red nuts, Black was the nuts of Zendikar, 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 but, but, you know, Blue White Skies, like, there's still the other options, and they're also really good, too. So, but, yeah, I digress on that, because I'm off topic. But uh, it's just a compare. it's just furthering the point that if there's enough of the same deck there, one of them will make it into top eight, and you can't really stop that from happening. The numbers are just too much in favor of that getting there. Right. And the decks that I was looking at, I predicted some different things to pop up. Countertop Progenitus is one of the ones that I predicted to be there. And without... (laughs) It reliably... It was there. Yeah, it didn't fail. We had multiple Countertop Progenitus deck lists make both top eights. And they were pretty run-of-the-mill. The only thing that I'm looking at that really confused me... Luis Restoy from Madrid, Spain. He wasn't. He listed it as counter top progenitus, but there was no counter balance, nor were there any sensei sensei's divining top. Yeah, he had one Rafika the Medi, two Loaming Shamans, two Band Charms, one Kitchen Finks, two Sylvan Library. It was more like a Band Aggro deck that ran Rafika or that ran progenitus. No, it didn't, it didn't have counterbalance. Natural, sorry, order. natural order. That's all it was. But the other lists were standard. There, were, there was nothing that really poked its eye out at me. You know, it, nothing, nothing that popped out. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I'm glad I have you to fill in on what I was trying to say. But You're nothing too exciting or too extreme, except for the one guy who had it listed as and wasn't. Now, one thing that I did notice there was. A countertop progenitus list of bands that had one volcanic island, and like I was saying last week about red being a great sideboard color, he ran three fire spouts out of the sideboard for that one volcanic island in the main deck. You know, if he gets wastelanded with it by a goblin's deck or something like that, he's up the crick. But point remains, he had that one volcanic island to try to push through I, the extra damage. I'm not really sure though, like. 
I'm trying to think why he would need it. Like, the thing is, is that I think Bant has a pretty good matchup against Zoot already. And I, I think that's pretty much... Uh, maybe against Merfolk, but, like, it still seems like Fire Spout... Like, its creatures are better, you know? Its well, creatures you- are better in the Zoot matchup. Because you're going to be gaining life off Warmonk. Uh, your creatures are going to be getting bigger. Especially with his tech as the Rafik. I mean, like, I mean that, that one guy with, like, the Rafik tech, like, that sh- shows that, like, the Bant aggro can just get there. It can. It just... I, it makes me almost think that that might be a misprint or something like that. That seems way too out of left field to call it a countertop deck and not run either piece of the countertop soft lock. That really seems strange to me. But other than that, that was about it. One thing that we did kind of call last week was Ad Nauseam Tendrils to make an appearance. And Ad Nauseam Tendrils made an appearance. So Lance, you might be more familiar with that. Do you want to give us a rundown on the Ad Nauseam Tendrils? Um, the Ad Nauseam Tendrils lists that were there were pretty standard. Um, I'm going to pull up... Uh, um, Tomohara Saito's real quick. Um, I know. I know from from reading. Uh, uh, Saito was running uh, no Orms chance, nor no ill-gotten gains, and no doomsdays. He was running three Infernal Tutors though, and Infernal Tutors is just ridiculous because you just discard your hand in response to it with um, with the uh, Lion's Eye Diamond. Infernal right. Tutor was also run in the second place deck too. That gentleman from the Czech Republic, David Doan. Right. right. He was running the... Now, he ran a more standard version of it. What I'm seeing from uh, Saito's is that he went away from the uh, the backup plan of ill-gotten gains and just played extra tendrils. Uh, I know that... Um, what What's his name? David uh, Doan. Doan. Uh, he played Iggy Pop. He played the ill-gotten gains... Uh, as the background, as as a backup plan to pull stuff from his graveyard again, um, the uh, he played uh, Singleton Hercules Recall in main deck, uh, probably for Mirror, also to boost his own storm count, targeting himself, bringing back all his artifacts and putting him back in, uh, and of course the Orms chant to protect the combo and also chant walk people into the game that he wants to play, uh, if. Uh, there's two ways of playing Orm's Chant. One is to protect your combo when you're going off, and the second way is to stop somebody on turn two and turn three so that you can get to turn four without them doing anything. If they're playing a very proactive deck, you want to Chant Walk them. If they're playing a very reactive deck, you want to Chant Walk them. Um, though, though, with that said, I think there was... I, I watched it happen a couple times where they were going off turn two, like, consistently. I think Saito went off turn two, like... At least four times in the top eight coverage. Yeah, like, you have to check that. If you want to hear some good coverage, guys, go onto the Watsy, the Mothership website, and listen to Rich Hagon's match he makes, coverage. He makes it sound like a football game. I like it. It really does. <laughs> it's some of the best coverage, and he breaks down the ad nauseum tendrils list with some of the pros. With Martin Yuza, I think he actually broke down the ad nauseum tendrils list. He goes through everything you want to do with it. He runs through the countertop progenitus list with Paulo Vidor Dama de Rosa, so something to check out there as well. Really good information for anybody new getting into Legacy. If you are better learning by hearing, that's a, that's a resource that you have that I can't suggest enough to really help you along with what deck you want to play or how to play against certain decks as well. Anybody have... Whoa! Out of Richmond, we had good old Aaron Wayne. You said the blue-white tempo deck. Yeah, um, which is now, which was first no Goyf, which is now Angel Stompy, but he ran it and to a twelfth place finish. Um, yeah, top sixteen. Aaron Wayne uh, watched him play some of his matches on the on the stream from GG's uh, live. Uh, very very good deck. Um, uh, he punted a game, but he did it in a very weird fashion. I think he was taken off balance by what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, However, um, the deck is good. Uh, probably um, worth if anybody want if anybody has the extra force of wills and tundras, check it out. That might be a deck to run it at a local tournament or something. Very, very good. Very strong. James. Uh, yeah. Uh, the big thing to uh, catch, and uh, I think this is kind of caught on everywhere. Uh, the the new tech uh, from uh, Worldwake is Stoneforge uh, Stoneforge Mystic. It's making its way around all the formats right yeah. now. 
I mean, he was playing. I think that's his new addition to the deck. Yeah, he played. He played. Oh, let me look for it here. He played two of them. Did he? Yeah, yeah he played two of them. And uh, you got to remember that the only art, the only artifact he's going to get with that is Jite. Uh, and the thing is, is that it's it's essentially copies three and four of Jite without without locking up four slots for it. Yeah. And he can also cheat it into play with the Stoneforge Mystic. It gets out of the Get counter. It. You can't be spell snared. Your G- Jite can't be spell yeah. snared with the Stoneforge Mystic ability. Uh, so, other thing I wanted to point out was the severe lack of Mere Folk in the top eight of uh, uh, Madrid. Yeah, that's uh, one thing that did happen. I think that Zoo just hated it out so much, uh, it, just because it was just so you know heavily played. Uh, Mirfolk has a not very nice match against it. It's not unwinnable. But it's, it's not unwinnable, but it certainly is a back heel match. You have to get the standstill. I would think that right, would right. You have really. to you have to start getting your card advantage as quick as possible. But I mean, but I mean, you said it. Those European players, they like their combo, man. Right, they right. do, and that it was prevalent. I mean, Reanimator, Ant. Yeah, yeah. It showed. Uh, it however, showed. however, in the top sixteen over in Richmond. Well, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six Mirfolk decks. Yep. Uh, and that goes to show you that at like the higher end events, uh, the the more uh, mon- the more money dominant events like GP, uh, you're gonna go f- uh, like it's not gonna be like somebody who just throws together a Mirfolk list because it's easy to build goes in and wins it. Uh, it's going to be somebody who's tested, plays the best, plays the best spells that they possibly can. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, the Merfolk list here were pretty standard. Some of them ran Vidalian Click, some of them ran the Glass Spinner, and then there was the one who won, which had the Tarmogoyce out of the top yes. sixteen at Richmond. Yeah, and, James, and we we caught on that before. Like the like, I always felt that like a- after like Curse Catcher, um, Silver Gill Adept, Lord of Alanises. And three marrow Reedries, maybe four. That the, the the rest of the slots for the creatures were always kind of your own tweak to the deck. So I mean, and this definitely shows it. I mean, you run a different set of creatures than I do. Right. I'm. Uh, I personally believe that it might be dead right now, but I like the card advantage you get from Cold Eye Selkie. And I like the flyers like Vendillion Click, and I'm testing right now Serendip Freets in mine, which seems to be doing yes, awesome which seems to well. be doing really well. And they also took your guys' advice. Back to basics was running. Well, I don't think they took their advice, but it was probably think, the standard. <laughs> I think that back to basics really helped in keeping lands out of the top sixteen and the top eight of uh, the GP. And there was once there was a standstill deck that got thirteenth place, but it wasn't like it's super heavy land. It, it's landstill. It incorporated as we thought would happen one Jace the Mind Sculptor as a win condition for it, and it apparently did them pretty well. You probably milled out a few people yeah. that day, yeah. I would think. I saw uh, Mirfolk decks trying to incorporate Jace the Mind Sculptor. I just don't think it's fast enough for the deck. I don't think just because the mana intensity that Jace takes at four is a little heavy. But again, people probably tested it with it more than I have. I mean, I have a couple of Jaces. Maybe I'll slide them in the Mirror Folk deck and try it out and see what happens. But uh, to me, it just seems a little clunky and a little slow. Okay, and one the round out the top sixteen of Richmond. The other one up deck was Char Belcher. We all know what Char Belcher does. Yeah, you can't really deviate too much about from Char Belcher. The only uh, the only real uh, questions you have to ask yourself is. One land or two, and do I have the black to run Dark Ritual? Those are like the two questions that you have to ask yourself. For you also have to you also have to kind of feel out what the meta game is. Uh, at these Star City events, I've got to admit I've seen a couple land decks around, and Charbelcher has a really good game against lands. And the thing is, is that and it also has a good game against Zoo too. And it, it's it's well, one thing about Charbelcher is it's actually quite cheap to build as well. Uh, Lion's Eye Diamond is pretty much the only thing. So that's actually a really good uh, um, point to bring up is backing yourself up with a uh, good strong combo deck like that. If you're walking into a meta you don't know, maybe scouting around, seeing what everybody else plays, and then switch audibling into it. Uh, I like to take an extra deck with me just in case I feel like... 
before a sanctioned event, always have about two to three deck lists filled out before heading into the tournament room. That's my advice to you guys. Yeah, well, and I don't have them filled out, but I sure as hell have an extra deck with me normally. Which is nothing wrong. Yeah, nothing there's... wrong with that. So, anything else that you guys wanted to point out from the two big events this past weekend? Not really. Uh, I uh, I don't know. Maybe the uh, maybe the uh, overwhelming number of Zoo in Madrid will help the uh, meta game get it open it up to a little bit more combo. But then it, it's just going to follow that circle. You know the. The combo beat yeah. combo beats uh, aggro, aggro beats control, control beats combo. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking for another list maybe to come out rather than Bant Top. The, I, I understand that Bant Top is really successful, but the thing is the formats become stagnant when nobody wants to try anything. Try anything new. Yeah. And Somebody. Well, we did have some. We had Reanimator well, pop up. Right, right, right. And we also had stacks. We had two, three different flavors of stacks just show up out of nowhere. Mono Brown. Blue and mono white and blue white splash. Yeah. The unfortunate thing though, that blue stacks list didn't make it too far. No, but he still did have quite a tournament. He did uh, go X two and just barely made it out of top sixteen. Yeah. So, but what do you guys think we expect from here? From the next maybe month or two out of the legacy metagame, what do you guys think is going to happen? I, th- I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, Bant top's going to be everywhere. Counterbalance is, um, it's, I'd, I'd play it if I had it, you know, like, it's a good deck, it's a solid deck, and the ability to go back up Progenitus, um, it's really good, it's really good against, uh, uh, the Agro Loam 43 land deck, they can't Maze of Ith your, uh, Progenitus, it's gonna get there. It has protection from lands. Yeah, but they can stop Glacial Chasm. Yeah, that's okay. true. If they get the Glacial Chasm so locked I down, think, going. I think you're gonna see a lot of turn one wins. I think Combo. a lot of people are going to be moving towards Belcher and Ad Nauseam, uh, seeing as Zoo is becoming a Z popular deck. Get your mind break traps, everybody. Yeah. We keep abdicating mind break trap. We, we do that, that's our seal that. of approval stamp right <laughs> on mind break trap. Mind break trap and back to basics. Those are the two cards that. But then what I expect to see is different. I expect to see some more reanimator pop up. I think that's going to. That was the darling deck of the weekend. I think that a lot of people will start to use more and more and more. And, you know, it's it's something to be said. Uh, I think Entomb was what we figured it out was 20 bucks going into this weekend. Now it's, it's 40. 40 Yeah. So when you have a card double in price in one weekend, and we're not touching on Ayabugan here either, but it's something to be said. <laughs> that was a day. Yeah, that, that was, was like that was, where that was like that was eight in hours. That's yeah, it was like record. It, it was it was like it was five dollars forever, and then it just shot up. But that's standard. <laughs> that's that's not. Well, what it's in legacy about. too. I guess I guess it is technically, but there everything is, in standards legacy. So you can kind of what's old is new again. Yes. So that's about it for our tournament breakdown. If there's something that we missed that you want us to go over, let us know in our feedback. You know. Well, we'll reiterate where to get a hold of us later on here in the show, but you will know how to get a hold of us, and if there's anything we missed in our tournament breakdown, let us know. We'll try to cover that for next week and make up for any lost time. Because next week, I have a feeling it's going to be a dead week as far as Legacy goes. Anyhow, there's not yeah, a whole, there's lot, not a whole lot going on. We don't have any big tournaments coming up until the Jupiter Games tournament on the 13th. And then, actually, that same weekend, there's another Star City Games 10K <clears> in Indianapolis, so we'll have something to cover there as well. We'll have some info over that weekend as well. Sure. But that's to look forward for the future. Anything else in the show? Because I think that was all that we really wanted to cover in this show before we head into whatever we want to talk about segment, which you all won't have to listen to. Anything else you two wanted to hit up? Uh, not really. Um, no. No, it's it, we, we hit the nail right on the head right there. You got everything accomplished out you wanted to accomplish? Hooray! Good. Feel like we've done something today. Uh, so big thing, uh, just it's going to be in our show notes, but where you can get a hold of us, follow us on Legacy Hardware at twitter.com. You can follow you can become fans of the podcast on Legacy Hardware on the Facebook fan page. Also Legacy Hardware at MTGcast.com or legacy hardware at gmail.com. So you're catching a similarity here. <laughs> Leg- Legacy Hardware at something.com. Yeah. And we'll have those in the show notes. Maybe once we start going to more tournaments here, we'll set up a Flickr account so we can have some images sent up and everything like that. I'm really looking forward to that. 
Now, as for us, for some questions, for you, the listeners, this is a symbiotic relationship, so we do have some questions for you if you can get back in contact with us. What you want us to cover in the future, we might do some deck techs. If you want us to go in that area, let us know what decks you want us to cover. If there's any people you would like for us to get a hold of to maybe interview, let us know. Or if you're a bigger name in the legacy community and you want us to and you want to come in and be a part of one of the shows here, that would be fantastic as well. And we said this before, we'll say it again. This show is for everybody here, you guys listening at home. This isn't for us. This is for you. And what you want, we'll do our best to fulfill that for you. So I think that's all we have to cover for this week before we head into our etc. segment. All right. Uh, we want our contact information for each of us? Oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot. Thank you, Lance. All right. I'm Elkhive one on pretty much everywhere, including uh, Magic Online and uh, Magic Workstation. Elkhive one on... Uh, uh, MTG The Source and SaberX on MTG Salvation. I'm KaibaMan11689 on everything excluding uh, Magic Workstation. I think I misrepresented that. I'm just KaibaMan on that. Uh, I'm also I'm also KaibaMan11689 on Xbox Live if you would like to play some Duels with the Planeswalkers with me. Have that. I, I guess that's Magic related, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. no, I guess it is. Uh, you, there, there isn't really much skill intense in that. There's just pre-cons, so, but I, I'm up for anything. Uh, just shoot me an email. Shoot me something. And me, Jason, you can catch me as The Teague. You can chat with me on the GG's Lives. I'm always trolling the chat window on GG's Live as The Teague. Also on MTG The Source, The Teague. MTG Salvation, The Teague. And Omodo, Omodo, MTGO, it's the T89. And that's where you can get a hold of me. But other than that, I think that's just about it. Yeah. What do you want to talk about for this week? Uh, we've got a tournament in Tarentum or Bestial, two of the places we yeah. might hit up on the 13th. Because Bestial, there's a 40 Dual Land tournament up there for its legacy, which we're really excited about. Jupiter Games, yeah. And uh, Tarentum down by Pittsburgh has uh, Tabernacle for first and Moat for second tournament. That's just pretty exciting. Those are decks on its own. Like, you get a Tabernacle and you're like, huh, me, you know, I just got a $300 card. Maybe Aggro Loam, maybe maybe Land seems okay now. Yeah. Pox. Yeah, Pox. Pox, yeah, Pox. Pox is cheaper on the the fly to build. (laughs) It's It's a ridiculous deck, too. First turn, Dark Ritual Duress. Him the Torok. And you to him the Torok. With it. Yeah, I, I, that, my first legacy, my first sanctioned legacy, I just came in and went, poop. I just, another born spirit. Yeah, oh, um, uh, yeah, n- yeah, another spirit's ridiculous. Tombstalker's ridiculous. Pox is good. Look up that list. I, if it, That's another affordable deck. You can build a tabernacle list, a tor- uh, tournament ready deck. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but going down to uh, Tyrannum. The tournament is actually not sanctioned. It's a 10-proxy tournament. So uh-huh. it's nothing that you'll be able to find like on the Watsi website through the Wizards Play Network. Keep right. that in mind. But MTG, the source, there's people constantly posting up tournament announcements. You can always check that out, and that's a great source for finding out where there's legacy tournaments near you. If you don't have a full deck together, they do have the 10-proxy limit, so it's a very easy way to get in. It allows them to... Uh, um, showcase a broader range of players mm-hmm. because it allows the players that don't really have their decks finished to come in and play them. Uh, whereas Jupiter is 100% sanctioned, so no proxy at all. But you have a higher competition and right. greater prize payout as well. So right. you take it with what you've got. Yeah. Um, you know, with that with that being said, like I'm surprised. Have you guys even seen Imperial Painter down in Tyrannum? No. Yeah. It's a very aggro. Metagame. Oh, the, it is. Yeah, the, when I went to Tyrannum, the the metagame was very aggro oriented. Uh, that's why Stacks did actually quite well. Uh, Ghostly Prison just lock them out. Right, right. Um, there were two zoo lists. Um, we went down with uh, me playing Stacks, uh, Scott, Scott playing, playing Pox. Pox, Harold playing uh, Painter. Uh, Bryce playing uh, Enchantress, and uh, he was playing. I thought he was playing uh, Ant at that. No, tournament. no, 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 no. That was um, an older one. Uh, no, 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 that was Zach. Zach was playing Ad Nauseum at that at that uh, 
tournament. Well, because Bryce told me that like he actually messed up with the. Uh, that was uh, that, that was cards, comics, and games. Oh, okay, my bad. That was the cards, comics, and games tournament, and it was a it was a kind of a smaller tournament. Oh. Uh, also, Joe was there with us there playing Threshold. Uh, as Joe usually, well, as Joe usually he, he, does, he's, but he's very good with it. Yeah. So he, he's that American that thinks that it's always the best deck. Oh, the American who loves the Canadians. It's it's a good deck. Don't give him any fuck oh, about it. I'm not. I'm not. I think Threshold's an amazing deck. I like it too. But, but um, that's besides the point. But uh, their meta games probably have changed because I haven't been down there for uh, like half a year now. Uh, the last time we went down was about half a year. It's uh, one and then just came out because yeah, Scott had one. Scott Scott took time. second and won a booster box M10. Uh, I took fourth and got a uh, polluted Delta for my troubles. No, no, it was very nice of them to actually have uh, product for. For uh, the other players, because Bryce took uh, um, seventh, Bryce took seventh and got uh, oh god, what did he get? I think he got a non-blue fetch. I think he got uh, I think he got a um, uh, windswept hit. Windswept heath. No, that's yeah. not too bad. He needs a couple extra maybe for like enchantress. Yeah, he has enough. He's got piece. enough. Because yeah. he actually traded some to me for. I think that's where he got deck. some extra stuff. Yeah, just make sure your card works next time you go down there. The last time our group tried to go down there. Ugh. Our uh, one friend, uh, God bless his car, it's gone now. That yeah. car's in a graveyard poor, somewhere. Poor car. Uh, poor, what was it, a Mazda? Protege? Protege? Yeah, Mazda. it was a Protege. It was the uh, Hyundai, yeah, Hyundai Protege. No, Mazda. Mazda. Something like that. So, uh, it was a nice car, though. I liked it. We had it had character fun. because it didn't have a, have a, a hood ornament. <laughs> it was missing the hood ornament. Yeah, that and the belt made that really annoying sound. <laughs> That's well, we heard that sound. And <laughs> but my anyway. car is just as bad, though. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a Ford Contour. Yeah, and Ford didn't make anything great. Made by Contour at the end. We're noticing some similarities. At least it's not a Toyota. <laughs> uh, hey, don't go there. What car do you drive, sir? Oh, that's funny because I'm foreign and I can't drive a car because I don't have the ability to get a license. That's right. Yet. Don't poke fun. I drive a Ford Contour. <laughs> Anyhow, what what else do we need to talk about? We're right. going down to Pittsburgh for our extended PTQ this weekend. Whoop, whoop. We're all set up for decks besides <laughs> James. <laughs> James uh, has been flip flopping around between elves and Thopter Foundry, right? Yeah, that's pretty much all it is. Uh, I, I love groups, uh, but everybody in the group needs something, and when you're the last person to ask for things, there isn't a lot around. It also, we're a little low on Tarmogoyfs, so everybody's even... got their Tarmogoyfs that they're using, and now... We have 20 Tarmogoyfs, I think, going down to this tournament in, in two cards. Well, we can't help it, because, like, every grade deck runs Tarmogoyfs. Well, there's Joe, Devin, you, Lance, me, Harold. Geraldo, that's right. Because he, he was playing Into the North Dark Depths before, before everybody. Before yep. Yes, and he's playing Into the North... With some surprises, my tech, thank you. My tech, thank you. So, if you guys are heading down to the extended PTQ in Pittsburgh, see us. Say hi to us. I'll be wearing either a red Lock Haven University hoodie or a blue Lycoming College hoodie. So, you'll be able to know who I am there. And do you guys know what you're wearing at all? I think I might wear the Palomala jersey that I have. The Palomala jersey. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have. Uh, I have my like traditional setup where I just wear my Ghana soccer jersey. I have like the captain that of that. That is what you usually wear. And I and 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 that that one tournament I brought the uh, the not the shoal. What was it? It's a thing that mom got turban. me from Jordan. Yeah, I, I don't want to call it a turban because it feels like feels like I'm kind of like there's negative connotations. Yeah, like exactly. Word. You know. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like the difference of seeing saying like immigrants and newcomers to the country. Yeah, you know, like immigrants is negative. Thank you. Don't call me an immigrant. I am a newcomer. Actually, I'm an American citizen that got robbed. Chris got robbed. I got robbed. But you might have to post a picture up so people know what we look like. What we'll have to what we'll have to do is I'm going to take the camera down and I'm going to. Take as many pictures as we possibly can, so we can start getting a Flickr page ready mm-hmm. for everyone. And uh, I'm also going to record a little bit because my my camera can do some recording. Uh, a bit really bad audio that cuts in and out, but the recording is decent. 
Okay. So I'm gonna do some little uh, little videos of us playing a little bit and talking to people and see what I can do. But and to give you some idea of what we look like, um, I'm about. Oh, we're not even going. To, we'll have to close. You'll recognize us. You'll you'll Lance recognize us. Lance and I have us. goatees. James is about six three. He sticks <laughs> out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I'm like but, the tallest person in the group. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. But so you'll be able to see us. That there'll be a group of about six of us hanging out there. So yeah, that's about it. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, I'm I'm fine. I'm, okay. I think I've got my two cents in for the week. Yep. Um, actually, I actually have something to bring up. It, in our in my first uh, in our first uh, podcast, I I brought up how like a null was that card that I thought that nobody was playing. Somebody brought up a good point though. It's like where would uh you know isn't spell pierce that that much better? And my personal thoughts on was just a null was just that much better because it hard counters. I always like I it's it's the same reason we want two blue in the other formats that aren't legacy. We want that counter spell just because it. It's not, you know, there isn't ways to play around it. It's just, it's going to do its job right there. And the thing is, is that I guess, I, and and I've, I've been testing out, Spell Pierce is pretty ridiculous too. I think it's a judgment call. It's what you rather feel. I mean, you have to look at it as like, well, okay, they just played Dream Halls. I can counter that with the knowledge, just straight up counter it, but I could also just Spell Pierce it too. Whereas like Spell Pierce can also counter Fire Blasts, stuff like that. If I could chime here, there. This is the argument that goes along with cards like this throughout all of Magic history. It's narrow and powerful versus broad and not as powerful. Very little will you see a broad spell that deals with a lot that's very strong. You know, its strength comes in its utility. But when you get a narrow spell like Spell Snare or a Null, it's great against what it does, but it's completely dead against anything else. Right. And that's the argument that you have going on with that. Yeah, but um, that's pretty much it. I thank whoever. I think that was Forbidian that posted that too. No, I've been testing out Spell Pierce, and I've been as happy with it as of Null. So I just have to do more testing with it. And one last thing, we we did get a funny comment from. I, I forgot to bring this up in the listen the listener the listener feedback review. But our first review from last week's his name was Fazlid. He said, "My question is, where did this animosity?" This way, uh, we go. Why is it that in each format, standard, extended, legacy, and vintage, there is this sort of hate with each format, this kind of elitist attitude? My question is, where did the animosity build from, and why are we so divided? I mean, after all, aren't we all just brothers in the magic? Oh, Anyhow, look forward <laughs> to your next podcast, Dream Halls FTW. Well, Thaslid, I think a lot of the animosity came against Standard because for a while there, Jund was dominating Standard. However, that has opened up. But there's you always have the primary format that you play in, and you think that's the best format because that's the one you associate with yourself. It's a bias, and it's really hard to separate yourself from your own views. Am I correct on that, guys? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I count myself pretty much a legacy player that also kickers in all the constructed formats and limited. Uh, and uh, I, I feel personally that um, Legacy is the best format, period. Everything else is just cards that buy, uh, to bide my time between Legacy tournaments. That's, that's <laughs> fair enough. I, I, I feel the same way. I, I started out heavy standard, but then I was like, Standard's really narrow. Stand, I mean, there's all, like the problem with working with a limited carpool is that you're just not gonna always get there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, there is one other thing. Uh, actually, hopefully, people are still listening. I hope you are. This is our off talk statement. Um, there is uh, last last summer they got rid of uh, they got rid of the block for another standard season. Essentially, yeah. they extended standard season. However, I know that I. I, I do remember Jason and myself talking in passing about about this possibility. And since this is the legacy community we're talking to, we figured we'd throw this out there. Oh yeah. What about you know, like you know how they did standard? What if they thought that they were going to support legacy in the summer as like a PTQ format? I mean, what would you, the viewers, think about that? Once they take care, listeners, 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 viewers. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're watching the little bar go <laughs> as we're play, as we're talking, but. Wizards loves Legacy. When they take care of the price issue, which I think is the biggest stepping stone in 
been making Legacy a PTQ format? Would you guys do it? I know we would, but it'd be a neat thing to let you know. Half of the half of my uh, journey through Magic is to at least I want to do a pro pro tour event once. I want to do a pro tour event once, and that's what I'm trying to do. You have that drive. You yes. want to get there. I mean. Uh, I think we all have that. That's the pro- that's the part about going to a PTQ. Yeah, you're going to have fun, but ultimately that that ticket's what you want. You want the blue envelope. Yeah, you want that. And uh, combining and and always the problem with me was I love Legacy, uh, but I also want to uh, queue for the Pro Tour, uh, and I can't really. It'd be great for me to be able to play my favorite format, the format that I know the most about. Uh, I believe I know the most about. And Q also for what I've been wanting to do. But, by the way, I just wanted to... Did, want, Fazlid, I did just want to say to you to end your comment on a heartwarming note. In the end, we're all Magic players. We all love Magic, and we all want what's best for the game. Yes. And there is an elitist attitude for towards every format. You have strictly limited players, you have strictly standard players, and you have strictly eternal players. But we're all in it for the same haul. Yep. And we all... It's kind of like that old Coca-Cola commercial. What, I me, like Joe the, Green? No. Oh. I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. So, I don't Why know where we, I'm going with this. I hate this. <laughs> We've got a moral. Quit, 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 making, us, quit making us sound uh, so down-to-earth and heartwarming. We hate every other format. Legacy rules. Ah! Sarcasm. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, because you... Clearly, just admitted to playing other formats. I know, but anyhow, anything else you guys want to talk about? We're reaching about the hour and ten minute mark. I that's think about our breaching point. So I think that's a good place to end on. Yeah, we all will say, and we'll all see you next week. We have our contact information earlier in the podcast, and we have the podcast or we have our contact information with the show notes. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>